Awesome. Well, it is, it is great to see everybody here today. We're going to get into the Word today. I want to um, bring up one of our elders, James Pittman. You might have heard of him once or twice. Uh, he's he's kind of in and out. He's flighty with church and his faith, but we're giving him a chance today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's solid. He's solid. Um, we're in our series, uh, The Seven I Am Statements of Christ. And uh, we've covered, I think, like four, three or four, somewhere in there. This is number five today, uh, and I'll let you introduce your title. But uh, uh, would you just extend your hands to James as he comes to bring the word to us today? Lord, thank you so much for this vessel. Lord, thank you for pouring your revelation into his heart. And today I thank you that you will draw that out of, uh, with your, uh, just bring forth your word of life, your words of hope, your words of power, your words of change your words of encouragement to us today, what we need to hear, what you know we need to hear. I thank you that you give James the unction and the boldness and the wisdom to, to share your word that is life-changing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, James. Thank love you, man. Thanks for that. Don't pray for me to be bold. Oh, man. Some of y'all get that. Oh... Well, I found, in praying and getting ready, there were some interesting things that were coming together for this. We're going to talk about the fifth statement, which is, I am the resurrection and the life. But I wanted to talk just a minute about this whole series. There are seven I am statements of Christ, and we, like I said, we're in number five. But if you are not familiar with, there's a literary structure uh, in the Bible that appears repeatedly in the Bible called a chiasm. And it is a series of things that point to a middle thing and then another series of things that either mirror or reverse or repeat the first three. And when I was looking at this, it popped into my mind. I was like, there are seven statements, the center of which is what Megan brought to us last week is, I am the good shepherd. And the first three leading up to that central statement are, I'm the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, and I am the good shepherd. And now we're coming on the other side of, I'm the resurrection and the life, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and what's the last one? It was in my brain. I'm the vine, I'm the vine. Sorry, this blanked out. But those statements mirror the other statements, and the Lord was showing me, unsurprisingly, in Psalm 23, that ye though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff comfort me. And one side of this represents his staff that we've walked through, his provision he provides, he is to us. And the second is his rod that protects us, and both are sandwich, sandwich and hold together the good shepherd. So let that brew in your brains as we keep going. That we, he is our provision, but he is also our protector. And with that, with that comes comfort we often don't call comfort. I know y'all aren't surprised I talk about pain. But look with me in John chapter 11. This is the story uh, many of you are familiar with. This is the story of Lazarus. 
Jesus has been causing all of the usual upsets, and he actually leaves because they, they threaten to kill him, and then he comes back. Um, and his friend Lazarus is sick, and his siblings, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus that he's sick, and please come. Please come and lay your hands on him. I, we don't know what the message actually said. They just said, send message to Christ that he would that he would come and do something. There's an expectation of action. And the, and the Lord gets that, and gets that with time to go and act as they expect. But he says, he's sick, but his sickness won't end in death. And chooses to wait there. He comes back, Lazarus is dead, and then he meet, Mary comes out to meet him. And that's where we find the I am statement in John chapter 11. Verses 25 and 26. Mary has just said, if you were here, he would be alive. And Jesus responds to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Martha goes on to say, yes, I know that Lazarus will be raised on the in the last day, the day of resurrection, and he goes, just, just hang out. Just, just chill out right here. Somebody move this big rock and calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And this was not his first resurrection, but this was his first publicly displayed resurrection to affirm that he was the resurrection and the life But what I want to point out about this statement, I am the resurrection and the life, the whole statement in its entirety, anyone who believes in me even or will live even after dying, everyone who lives in me will never die. There are three things I want to point out to you about. The first one is that this is the, this truth, this statement Jesus makes is the ultimate and last truth. This is the truth that trumps all the other truths. If you are in Christ, you will never die. You will not suffer what the Bible calls the second death. And this truth in itself serves a particularly, like we were talking about the staff and the rod, it grates against us. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And so we're talking in that proverb about two of the same substance sharpening each other. A good friend that deals with you honestly sharpens you, grates against you. There's friction. There might be conflict, but it's to sharpen you. And so Jesus provides this truth to sharpen us, but lest we forget Jesus is the harder substance. This statement grates against us in our challenges of life, and it refines us. When we pray, And we don't get an answer. When we fast and contend 
for any number of things, tra- for tragic instances, for the sickness of a, of a loved one, for the poor circumstances of a child, all of the things, those challenging moments where we're crying out to God and maybe we don't hear anything or the outcome is not as expected or we just don't understand like Martha, or excuse me, Mary. Lord, if you were here, you wouldn't have died. And Jesus responds, I am the resurrection and the life. And that doesn't answer our question. That doesn't give us context for why the situation worked out the way it did. But Jesus refines us and gives us this truth. And if we zoom out, what we experience in the pain and discomfort of that is actually a greater ability to walk as Jesus does. As a place of peace in the middle of chaos. In Psalm 23, verse 4 and 5, Ye though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You can experience a peace and delight You can experience the Lord's delight in the darkness of the valley, in the presence of your enemies. I want you to sit in the middle of the battle, in the very center of the battlefield. The Lord says, you can sit with me, and I can enjoy you, and you can enjoy me, and you can choose that over embracing the pain of the chaos. I'm not here to tell you that's easy. But there is a place of receiving delight and enjoyment of the Father in the midst of darkness. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who lives in me who believes in me, will live even after dying. There is a hope that transcends all circumstances. The worst thing the enemy can do to you is kill you. And then you go to live with the Lord. I'm not saying that is the preferred option. I'll be the first one up here to be like, I would not like, is is this multiple choice? I would like a different one. I don't have this all figured out. I just know that repeatedly he wants to equip us to operate from this place of hope. He asks, Martha, do you believe this? I am interchanging Mary and Martha. He is speaking to Martha, everybody. I am messing this up. He is talking to Martha. Martha met him. This is all, that's just me making mistakes. He has to remind Martha. He could have just showed up and been like, hold on, y'all. 
but he, it says that he, there, that anger, a spirit of anger rose up in him. And he experiences, by choice or otherwise, the guy who knows that my job is to show up and raise Lazarus from the dead. He chooses to experience the pain associated with losing a close friend. He embraces it. He sees the mourning. And he becomes emotional. He relates to all the people there. And then after experiencing that emotion, leads everyone to this point of Lazarus being raised from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. This statement, or hope, is cemented in this statement. That's the second point. Hope is cemented in this statement. We often talk about Jesus being our rock. And his salvation is is what reconciles his work is what reconciles us to God but he wants us to be more than conquerors he wants us to be overcomers he doesn't want us to just be victims waiting to arrive at our destination he does not want us to live day by day being oh it's just so bad lord i'm just waiting on you to come quickly lord jesus Have you seen what they said on the news about the thing, whatever controversial, divisive topic of the day is? He does not want us to live as victims. He wants us to live as victors. His statement, I am the resurrection and the life, we just sang, death has no grip on me. Death may nudge you, but it has no power over you. Death can deprive you of this life, but it can't do anything about your eternity. We are no longer slaves to our sinful nature. We are slaves to righteousness. The gospel is power. Power. There's power behind these words. I don't know how to express that any more clearly. I am the resurrection and the life. This truth pierces our very soul to overcome any and all other circumstances. Things aren't going your way. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You have a relative die unexpectedly. Mourn them. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Look at Job losing everything. He didn't say Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But he praised God still. He experienced and mourned, but came back to God is God and I am not. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Death is fully overcome. That is the truth at all moments. Right now, death is overcome. I didn't look this up right before, but I'm pretty sure that Revelation 12 is about the center of Revelation. We're talking about that chiasm, that chiastic structure. 
And in Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11, it said, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. We overcome the enemy through the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives unto death. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You don't have to fear death. If you believe in Christ, there is only life. There might be temporary pain, but no matter the length of it here, it is, it is nonetheless temporary. His truth grates against us. It refines us. His hope creates a bedrock to stand on. We don't have any thing to fear. I'm not telling you I'm not afraid of things. I'm just telling you the ultimate fear is to be death and eternally separated from the Lord. And that is not true for those who believe in Christ. This truth provides you a means to zoom out and maybe gain perspective. This happened not to me this past couple of weeks where I listened to... um, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, Angel Studios, the people that produced The Chosen, produced a new movie called The Sound of Freedom with Jim Caviezel. And they interviewed Jim. And um, I watched another interview with him. And they deal here with human trafficking, particularly child trafficking. And hearing all of the things that he was aware of, who he's portraying, because it's based on the life of a guy who's who is fighting human trafficking professionally through an independent foundation that he's created, provided me perspective. When you hear about the things that are happening to children as though they are an industrial product, you worry a little bit less about your own problems. You go, hmm, it's not that bad. Not because they, not because you feel guilty that they have it worse, but that there are big, big active darknesses in the world. And Megan and I were talking about it, and I was like, all I know to do is to be aware and to pray. And I know that, I know that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. James tells us that, not just me, James, the book of James. And so I pray on behalf of those people. But it gives me, it's so over here that I'm forced to back up and look at the broader picture. And so Christ, with this statement, often gives us the opportunity for perspective. I am the resurrection and the life. Lord, this, isn't, this thing's happening and I'm sad. I am the resurrection and the life. Lord, the, everyone is against me. I am being crushed. I am the resurrection and the life. Lord, this pain is so much that I can't take it anymore. I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus asks us the same question 
he asks Martha, do you believe this? He desires for our hearts not to be troubled in a troubled world. How do we do that? The third point is that he asks us if we believe this. For those taking notes, sorry. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus, of all people, understands the degree of trouble the world is. So he's not speaking of this minor trouble of gas prices being high and you being inconvenienced in traffic. He's speaking of a world gripped by darkness and death and gives instructions to not be troubled. Hear about child trafficking. Don't let your heart be troubled. I am the resurrection and the life. He asks us because these moments force us to answer the question, can we believe without seeing? He asked Martha this question before raising Lazarus. Can you believe? Do you believe in me? Her answer did not dictate Lazarus' outcome. But it was a question of where gauging where her faith was. He often said, he often asked these questions before the performance of a miracle. You don't believe because you can see, you believe first and then I will display. Can we believe when our prayers go unanswered? Can we still cling to Jesus when we don't understand? I'm here to tell you that I think that I can. It that's not a that's not always a hundred percent. And I'm not telling you that I'm free of doubt because I'm not. I often doubt. But he has called us to something so much greater. A faith that's able to stand on the foundation of this truth that he is the resurrection and the life, and that anyone who believes in him will live even after dying. So that when the world throws whatever it wants to throw at us because it hates him, it's going to hate us. He told us that. He gave us warning that we would stand with this ability to enjoy the Lord in the midst of chaos and be a beacon of light and hope because everybody else is going to see you and understand they have every reason to be miserable. And you may be able to tell them that. I am. I feel miserable. But there is a place in the presence of your enemies where you can sit and enjoy the Lord in the darkest point of the valley. There is a place at all points, valley or mountain, there the Lord is always with you. And he wants to show you peace and joy and his delight even when it doesn't make sense. I don't know how that works. That does not feel natural. 
Have you ever experienced in contending in prayer for someone? Maybe they're on their deathbed or they're sick. And you feel that peace come over you. And you're like, ah, yes. And your first assumption is they're going to be just fine. And then they die. That may not have happened to you. That has happened to me. And I'm like, what was that, Lord? It doesn't sound like we did any good. I'm just being real. Doesn't sound like we made any progress there. Were you trying to communicate? I need to be done. What was going on with that? You're meeting him. You're sitting at the table in the darkness of the valley. His peace is available when the outcome is undesirable, when the outcome is not what you want. And that's hard for me because I want to be affirmed that I'm doing the right thing. And the Lord has reminded me more than one time, you are. When you prayed for that sick child, when you prayed for whoever, you were being obedient. I wanted you to pray. He does not offer me all of the logistics of understanding why and how and who. When my father died, had a lot of whys. He answered a few of them. But I don't have full understanding of why or how or when and if. Because I would if it to death. Well, Lord, if I prayed and fasted more, would he have lived? You said this, but this happened. I am the resurrection and the life. It's the answer we often don't want, but it's the answer that holds us up. Can we believe? Can we believe without seeing? I'm going to pray for y'all, and I'll quit being all down in the dumps. This is, this is mature Christianity. This isn't feel-good Christianity. And I don't mean to, to say it that way like you're doing something wrong. Just There's, this, there's a component that requires this discomfort. But it makes for resilient believers. It makes for strong saints that shine brightly in the darkness. So pray with me. Father, I pray that we would shine brightly in the darkness. That as you refine us, that our light would grow brighter and brighter. You would fill our lamps with oil as we keep watch for your return. Father, that we would embrace this truth, that you would plant deeply within our hearts, good shepherd, that you are the resurrection and the life, and that we believe and that we will live even after dying. Father, where we have built anything else to stand on, I pray you would replace it with this. That we would stand firm in every challenge. That we would experience your peace and delight in the deepest, darkest valleys. That we would feast with you at the table you prepare in the middle of the battle. Good shepherd, we trust your leadership when we don't understand. Keep us 
Comfort us. Protect us. In Jesus' name. Amen.